Welcome to Wealth Beyond Riches with Abby Henderson, CEO, Wealth Advisor, and Coach at Aberis Financial Group. In this podcast, we help generous, fun, and passionate professionals overcome their biggest financial concerns while leveling up their lifestyles based on their values. We do this by exploring the five levers, which represent the diverse resources each person possesses throughout their lifetime. These levers encompass finances, health, mindset, relationships, and time, offering a holistic approach to personal development and growth. Join us on this transformative journey as Abby and her guests draw from years of experience to guide you in achieving your life goals while staying true to your values. But that's not all. This podcast will equip you not just to build personal wealth, but also to understand how your prosperity can contribute to the betterment of the world around you. By exploring strategies for giving back and making a positive impact, we'll empower you to create a life of significance and leave a lasting legacy of positive change. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Beyond Riches podcast with your host, Abby Henderson, where we talk about enriching your life in every way. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Abby. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's always so nice to see your smiling face. Oh, well, I I love these uh, hours spent with you. So I'm excited as always. Oh, you are just, you're going right to my head, girl. (laughs) All right. So today we are going to be talking about aligning your investments with your values and desired impact. That sounds like a lot. It is a lot, but believe it or not, it can be easier than it sounds. Okay. Okay. So you have somebody here to help you with this. I do. So um, I'm sure you remember in our last episode, we actually started to touch on this about how it's important to align your five levers, which we define as your mindset, your relationships, your time, your health, and your finances with your values and the impact you want to make on your family and your community. And so today, I thought we would explore specifically how you can align your investments with your values and the impact you want to create. And so with that, I'm so excited that we have Jessica Golson here today with us. Jess has held many roles in the financial service industry. She's been an advisor, she's been in trading, and she is currently Senior Vice President of Investments and Trading at the Carson Group. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, we are thrilled to have you. So thank you. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about how you got into the world of investing and finance? Yeah, it, it it's kind of funny. I think, um, you know, it, it, looking back at it, I think it's important that you know, you always, whatever you do, you want to try to help people. I think it's important that, you know, God gives you certain skills. So how do you actually, you know, leave your impact in the world or make a difference for people? And so, you know, even if it's a small way. So for my mom, she was a nurse. That's a big way. For me, I was fortunate enough that I've got to combine just my love of math and markets and problem solving all together in a way that helps clients and advisors. And so that's really, you know, my why behind joining this market. But um, I think just the curiosity um, 
started from a young age. And I think it's it's a different angle than most. So a lot of people, it's like, oh, how do companies make money? How, do, how does the economy work? In mine, I'll date myself a little bit, but it actually started when I was younger. And, you know, remember like sick days, you'd have to watch the TV scroll um, to see what was on, what you wanted to watch. And I'd always come across something called power lunch. And I was just like, I, I've got to see what that means. And so I turn and, and for those of you who don't know that CNBC and Back then there was an actual trading floor and it was just like chaos and, but like organized chaos. And, you know, so to me, it was like, what does this all mean? It's like the, this puzzle that the people that are playing the game seem to know, but from the outside looking in, it, it seems so weird. And so that's really what just led my curiosity. And then the more I asked questions, you know, the older I got and got into school and certain careers, I start finding like, oh, this is what it means. And I started building my love for it there. And, you know, I think that curiosity is just a key piece of being a lifelong learner. And that's, you know, what helped me grow in my career and be successful is not being afraid to just ask those questions, but also not being afraid to share what you know. There's no right answer in this world. There's a lot of ways to get to a right solution. And so you've got to keep that humility of what is a different way to look at it? How are other people doing it? And so it's just a really fun industry to be in. (laughs) Well, you are far more advanced than I was because I was watching The Price is Right. (laughs) Or or possibly uh, Oprah, who I think made an appearance in our last episode. (laughs) Awesome. I probably ended there, but... Well, she was mentioning how she had to go through the scroll. I had what was called a TV paper from the TVs, from the Sunday (laughs) newspaper. So uh, I got you beat, girl. (laughs) So um, they probably weren't, when you were watching um, TV, they probably weren't talking too much about value-based investing specifically. So when did you start getting invested in that? Yeah. Interested in that? Yeah. Totally. So my role here at Carson is really watching what are the industry trends out there and how can we kind of package that and make sure advisors have the tools that they need for their clients. And so a lot of that is just watching, you know, what are large asset managers? What's BlackRock doing? What type of products are they rolling out? You know, Vanguard, State Street and others. And so what I've noticed is they keep rolling out these more refined type values-based investing. So it used to be, you know, just a screener, screen out, you know, sin stocks or whatever. And now it's really getting tailored to specific values. And so what I found so interesting in that is the more they roll out, it's not a fad where assets are just flowing from one to the other. All types of these products are gathering assets. And so to me, that's saying, hey, there's demand out there and Mm. people are using it. And so got interested that way. And then another kind of area to that I like to watch is what institutional investors are doing. So that's your large pension plans, your endowments. Um, and so when we see them, take Harvard University, for instance, they're one of the biggest uh, university endowments out there, if not the biggest. And what they're doing, when you see them start to put these types of mandates in their clauses, so you know, they've made a climate commitment, they incorporate social and governance standards within their their endowment portfolio, it's like, okay, there's appetite for that. They, you know, that's billions of dollars. Of course, asset managers are going to want to create products that align with that. And so, you know, it might be, well, you know, that's big institutional. What does that matter to us? Like, why why does it matter to me and, and you and the clients that we serve? And if you think about an endowment or a pension plan, we'll do an endowment because that's easier. But the goal of that is long-term. 
So the assets are there to provide into the future, the operating costs, you know, scholarships, the professors and research that those universities hold. And so there's a long-term investment there that has to perform over the long-term. At the same time, it helps fund operating expenses. And so that's where a lot of the university gets their revenue. And so you're really balancing this long-term investing with immediate needs, which I don't know to you, but to me, that sounds a lot like what I try to do in my investment portfolio um, and everyone else. And so it really does tie back. And so when we look at their size and we scale it down to the individual investors, how do we do the same thing um, that meets our values? Mm-hmm. And so you touched on this a little bit by mentioning Harvard. What is value investing and can you value-based investing? And can you give us a little bit of the history? Is this a new thing? Is this an old thing? Give us a little perspective. Yeah. So it, it's fairly old. It always seems like a new thing, but it's actually been around a long time. The first MSCI index was 1990, I think is when that came out. And what that was is, you know, they went through and they manually calculated and scored different companies and invested in those with, you know, the highest impact score and very laborious, very manual. Um, Fast forward to now, and we've got so much data and so much opportunity. There's 1500 indices that follow this. There's probably 10,000 plus companies that are scored. And so it's really grown over time. And as the data keeps getting better, the more and more opportunities there. So really, you know, it's gone by a lot of different names, ESG, environment, social governance, socially responsible investing. At the end of the day, what it means is it's just all, you want to invest in companies that operate in a way that aligns with your goals. And you're doing that for a financial return. And so, you know, looking back, I think 1995, there was about 650 billion of assets in these strategies. Right now there's 30 plus trillion. Um, And I think BlackRock said, you know, their sustainable investing, it's doubled in the last three years. And so, you know, that 650 billion up to 30 trillion is huge. But when you're seeing those doubling just in recent years and fully anticipate that's going to continue going into the future. And what's really great about this too, we talk about it from the investing side, but it really is at the end of the day, just good business practice for those that want to be around for the long term. And I know at Aberis, you're doing a lot uh, when it comes to the B certification. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it was important to us to prove that we are actually living into our values as a firm. And I came across a B Corp certification. And when you're a B Corp, you have to consider the impact of your business decisions on all stakeholders. So they're looking at five pillars. They're looking at the environment. They're looking at community, workers, customers, and governance. And you actually legally have to state that the purpose of your company includes creating a material positive impact on society and the environment. So for us, it was a no-brainer. And hopefully it gives clients and prospects some peace of mind that they are working with a firm that is is truly doing the things that we're you know putting on our website. So I agree. I think it's it's just good good business as well. For our listeners who I'm sure are finding this intriguing, tell us how they can implement this. What sorts of investments are available? Yeah. 
that there's a lot of ways to do it, but the easiest, the most common is really through the use of ETFs or strategies. And so if we look at, you know, BlackRock, it, it, there's a lot of choice out there. I'll talk about BlackRock specifically, but there's, you know, the ETFs, what they do is they have the ones that they screen out certain things. So they might screen out tobacco or firearms. They also have others just score companies and generally choose the ones that score the highest. So you're making an impact there all the way down to very specific um, initiatives. And so, you know, we're both females in this industry, which is typically a male dominated industry. But so if you just take women in leadership, for example, there's an ETF out there from State Street that's called She. And what that does is it supports gender diversity across all levels in an organization. Um, at Carson, we have a strategy, the Women CEO strategy. What that does, it picks 30 stocks within the S&P 500 where the CEO is female. And what's really interesting is we see over time, those tend to outperform on, on all metrics. Shocking. <laughs> Maybe not to an eye, but to some. But you know what, what I think is kind of a interesting within that too is you think about in the S&P 500, there's only 38 female CEOs across all 500 companies. So that's about 8% compared to 50%, you know, the population. Uh, and then when you look at it and in our research too, it's what industries do they represent? And it might be shocking. A lot of them are the industrials. And so, you know, Northrop Grumming, uh, Cummings, the female CEOs are running the companies that create fighter jets, that create bulldozer tanks. And so, you know, it's really interesting to think, where where do they make up and, and how does it play into the economy in general? So very interesting there. And where are they underrepresented? I'm just curious in terms of the S&P 500. Are, do you know? Pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> I would say that's that's where, where they're the highest. And again, with 38, um, it's hard to get there. Actually, there's a top 20 companies by size and the S&P 500 are all run by males. So you have to get to number 21 before you get um, the first female CEO. Interesting. So tell us a little bit, because I, I heard something about uh, pink. Tell us a little bit about pink. Yes, that's another way to do it, which again, when you when you look at values, there's a lot of different ways to impact or influence your values. And that's a really cool ETF strategy through Simplify. And what it does, it's a healthcare sector strategy. Um, so it fills that space in the bucket, but 100% of the management fee that they charge is donated to the Susan G. Coleman Breast Cancer Fund. So again, there's a lot of ways to invest in women, whether it's leadership, health general. Um, and, th and that's just one initiative, right? There's climate, there's social, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And it really gives you that flexibility to figure out what matters most to you and then how you want to invest for that. It just, it occurs to me that it's important for clients to, and prospects to uh, and listeners to understand that you don't necessarily have to allocate all of your investments to this either. So it's not an all or nothing thing. You can take a little piece of your portfolio, invest in pink if that's something that calls to you. It doesn't have to be your entire investment. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of ways to do it in a whole spectrum of, you know, from impact to just generally investing in these causes to really influencing outcomes um, through shareholder voting and everything else. A lot of ways to do it. Yeah. 
So clients will always ask me if pursuing their values through their investments will affect their uh, portfolio's performance. How would you answer that question? I would say I hope so. And I hope so in a very positive way. Um, There is this, you know, narrative that you kind of think, or at least historically of, if you want to make this type of impact or invest this way, you're giving up something. And that was, you know, you're giving up investment return to do that. But studies have shown there's a lot of data out there that over time, these actually outperform. Again, we go back to good business practice, right? If, If you're not If the company is not tying themselves up in litigation and fees for violating environmental standards, of course, they're going to have more capital and they're going to be able to perform better in the long run. But I think a lot of where that came from, especially looking back historically, remember I mentioned, you know, it was very tedious and manual to actually calculate these scores on these companies. As the data has gotten better, it's been a lot easier to do. And therefore, you know, it's a lot less expensive to run these. And so the fees have gone down. Add that with, you know, the flow or the interest in these, you get a lot of competition between the different providers out there and that comp- compresses fees too, which leads to better outcome for advi- for clients and advisors. You know, with performance and when choosing these products, it's really important to work with your advisor to really understand what you're investing in, understanding how it'll perform in different markets. And, you know, that's a lot of what you do, Abby, with your clients. Definitely. So when we're thinking about, it ties into the whole, the whole picture. So when we're thinking about a client's impact and the impact they want to make, we're translating that into a vision. And then we're translating the vision into their financial plan. And so something you said earlier about sort of matching investments to time horizons and your different goals becomes really important. Some clients definitely want to match their values to their investments, and they feel like that's the best way to be aligned. And some clients don't want to do that. And my advice is always, there are many ways to express your values. And if you say, for example, you care about the environment. You can do a lot of things to express that. It doesn't have to be through your investments, but it's important that you know that that's a possibility. You know, you can do your recycling and you can give money to environmental causes and you can potentially align your investments or some portion of your investments that way. It's not a one-size-fits-all though. So I think it really depends on what a client wants to do. And 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 also, as I've said on other episodes, this all evolves. So, you know, your values often don't evolve. They might, you might refine them a bit, but sometimes your impact does. You know, sometimes you start out saying, I want to impact just my little community on the environmental piece. I live near the Merrimack River. So I'm going to give money to the Merrimack River conservation organization. And you do that and you realize maybe I want to expand my impact. You know, maybe I want to address bigger climate issues. And Jess, I think you alluded to earlier, there's a lot of options if that's how you want to express that through your investment. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, we talked about this a little earlier with with investing here in the performance of it, but 
at the end of the day, these are all financial products. And so they are designed to give financial returns over the long time. We're investing in there for the economic benefit. And so if you can do that, you know, funding your retirement, funding those goals that you've placed in your plan while also making this impact, it's just even that much more beneficial, I think. It seems almost like why wouldn't anybody do that? You know what I mean? Like, now that we're talking about this, it's not something I've really put a lot of thought into, but like, of course, that's, I would choose things that align with me. How, how, how often do you get it where people are just like, I don't care? I, I think there is definitely a belief that it will hurt their performance in the long run. And just to your point, and please tell me if I misinterpreted but that may have been true more so in the past when there were limited products, they were expensive. Looking forward, hopefully that is less of less of an issue. So I, I think that's one issue. And then the other one that comes to mind is when you've got a couple investing, they don't always both agree on what their causes are. Gotcha. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So, Sometimes, you know, given that in your, you know, financial planning is is really a team sport, hopefully, when you've got two people, <laughs> that's just not some place where they want to, you know, necessarily express, express those values. I, I was going to say, over time, too, I think it's gotten better, right? It used to be just the most you could do was exclude or, you know, limit your exposure to certain things. And so you might be really against tobacco, but you'd still end up with a small tobacco exposure because the best they could do is invest less in companies like that. Now, as it's gotten more and more refined, you can really tailor it to those specific values that matter to to the household. And I think the other thing, I think where this will really become powerful is when we can start, you know, data's gotten better and better at reporting this stuff, but when we can really start reporting on specific household impacts to these, um, these different causes. So right now you look at, you know, I, I imagine Abby, when you're meeting with your clients, you look over the performance that they've done, you look over the plan, but just how much more impactful will it be when we can show you've also, you know, saved your carbon footprint is net zero and you've, you know, funded these types of, of initiatives. Um, I think that's when it gets really powerful for clients. And I think we'll see even more adoption when we get there. Mm, no, that's a really good point. So I'm curious if you could give our listeners a few tips if they wanted to learn more about values-based investing. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of good websites out there. MSCI, the index provider, has a ton of information. I think the best place to start, though, is just to do some self-reflecting of, you know, what does matter to you? You mentioned it, Abby. There's a lot of different ways to, to bring your values into your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, through your, your investments and your financial instruments, but it can be. And so figuring out like, what's that balance you want? And then from there, I think it's really important to work with an advisor to understand what are the choices out there. Again, there's a lot of noise. And so, you know, having a professional that can really help guide you through that and make sure it still meets the plan, meets your goals over the long run. Um, that's the best place to start. And could you just give us a couple sentences on returns and performance and, and what people should be thinking about there? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where I think the advisor's so important, right? When clients go out there and they see this. And, you know, if you look across a peer group, you might think, obviously, I'm going to pick the one with the highest performance, right? Seems the most reasonable. Um, But when you dig into it, there's a lot that goes into that. And so performance is driven by a lot of things as far as different exposures, different cost structures, you know, the way it's going to perform in different market cycles. And so, you know, that's not always the best case. You've got to really hone in. And this is where the understanding is so important of, you know, what are you investing in? If it's double the return, but it's three times the amount of risk, probably not what you're going to want to choose, even if it's the highest performer in, in the the peer group that it's showing. That is so helpful. Well, thank you so much for giving us this little intro to the world of, of values-based investing. Where can our listeners find out more information about you and about the Carson Investment Research Team? Yes. Well, I am on LinkedIn, Jessica Golson, um, and you can follow the Carson Investment Research Team on X. Um, it's at Carson Research. We're also on the Carson Group website and the Abris website uh, under Markets and Insights. You'll see our commentaries and blogs out there. And we have our 2024 outlook coming out really, really soon. So we're excited to, to get that out there. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Abby, how do people get in touch with you if they have some questions? I am everywhere. I am on LinkedIn, as is the firm, Aberis Financial. We are on Facebook, again, as the firm and uh, Abby Henderson, uh, trusted advisor and coach. And Instagram and our website is www.abarisfinancialgroup.com and then email abby at abarisfinancialgroup.com. You're right. You are everywhere. 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 Well, thank you, Jessica, for joining us today. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Beyond Riches podcast. Be sure to visit our website at www.abarisfinancialgroup.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The opinions voiced in Wealth Beyond Riches with Abby Henderson are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.